It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hi, this is Jay Harwood. This is the latest edition of the Amazing Mental on my podcast. And my special guest today is my old friend, uh, Willie Randall. Hey, Willie, Will, how good is your memory? Do you remember the first time we met? Probably like in the mid-70s when, when I was the SID at Fairley Dickinson and your brother played, <laughs> and your brother played for Fairley. I mean, I remember... Even uh, quite if you remember, I called you for a story, getting some quotes on one of any time. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. First of all, thanks for having me on. Me no, my pleasure, Willie. Reminisce yeah. a little bit. But I do remember that because my brother Lamont, uh, he was a pretty good player. And it's a shame he didn't get drafted because he was one of those kids who uh, had a lot of talent. Uh, went to school, obviously, at Fairly, Fairly Dickinson, like he said. And uh, just didn't get that opportunity. But, uh, but yeah, I do remember that. Jay, we go way back, brother. Way back. I remember, Coy, you had some quotes. I wrote a story for the Bergen record, Willow. And that, uh, and that was a good old time. Hey, before we forget, I've always called you Willow. And I think I know the reason why. Where does the nickname come from? Uh, you got to blame Ricky Henderson for that, okay? Ricky, it was so funny. He wouldn't remember people's names. So the best he could do is remember the first syllable and then put an O at the end of it. <laughs> See, I thought it had something to do with your fielding or something. No, that wasn't it. No, no, no. It had to do with uh, Ricky Henderson's call. If he was Jay, we call you J-O or Willow or, 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 or Tomo. He just always put an O on the end of someone's name. I guess that was an easier way for him to remember it for some reason. But, uh, no, it had nothing to do with my fielding. I think the first person that started calling me Willow, I think, was back in the day, uh, it was Ricky Henderson. <laughs> well, that's, that's funny. Well, see, I'm glad I asked. Now I know the answer to that question. Really, you, you graduate Tilton High School in Brooklyn, and everybody knows about your career with the Yankees, but you were a Mets fan, you know, yes. before you signed. How did you become attached to the, uh, you know, the 69 Mets, and, you know, you were you know, 14, 15 years old at that time? How did you become attached to that team? Yeah, well, all my friends growing up, I grew up in Brownsville, Brooklyn. We played sideline baseball from sunup to sundown. Uh, we just were ripping and running, just loved to play the game. And um, I was more of a National League fan. I just related more to going back to Jackie Robinson. And then after that, guys like Bruno Clemente, because I played with a lot of Latin players. I grew up in a, a heavy uh, black and Hispanic community, and, and a lot of the Latin players loved to play. So that's how I got introduced to a lot of the you know, the uh, Latin players and the guys, like I said, guys like Louis Aparicio. I was a shortstop growing up, Jay, so I, I like guys like Louis Aparicio. But I was always a, a local New York guy, and, and, and the Mets were the team that was the most exciting at the time. The Yankees had some lean years around that time. They were still the Yankees, but, but to me, the Mets were the up-and-coming team with a fresh group of guys. Uh, they had great players like Tom Seaver, people that you can attach to, but it was just that the timing of it was just that we were more National League fans and when the Mets won in 69 against the Mighty Orioles, we, we were dancing in the streets, Jay. It was the, one of the most exciting times in my life. We could not believe that our underdog Mets, the amazing Mets, <laughs> would actually beat the Mighty Orioles. So that's why I became hooked 
I was always playing baseball at that age, but I got to the point where that's where, you know, a lot of my alliances with, with, with National League teams because I could identify a lot more with the players. Who was your favorite player? Do you remember at that time, Willie? I mean, you identify with any one guy? Well, well, the, but at the time, the, my favorite players were outside of guys like, you know, guys you idolized like Hank Aaron or Willie Mays. I didn't get to see those guys play. So the Mets were my guys, guys like Cleon Jones, Don Clendenin. I mean, Tom Seaver. I used to try to emulate all these guys, man. Was, those are my guys. Bud Harrelson. I wore number 12 for years, and people would thought it was for, you know, for whatever reason, but I actually knew all number 12 because of Ken Boswell. Really? Ken Boswell, right. yes, he was a second baseman. That's funny. Had, Another thing I didn't yeah. know. Yes, yes. I mean, and also Ken Boswell, because he wasn't like he was a he was a good player, but he right. wasn't like a household name. But I loved his style. I was a shortstop second baseman, and I wore number twelve as a little leaguer because of Ken Boswell. And then, and I can go on with Jerry Grody and, and the great Ed Cranepool. I just was a crazy, crazy Met fan. And people always say, "What do you mean you're a Yankee?" And no, I, yeah, of course I know who I am. I mean, but I I got as much Met blood in me. That's Yankee blood. I've always felt that way, and, and, and really, that's where it got started for me. Well, I know you had a great Yankee career, but what was it like with your Met background to come back in 1992 and play one year with the Mets uh, oh. to, kind of, to end oh. your career? It really was a dream come true, Jay. I mean, just to come full circle like that, uh, it was just a, such a great opportunity to get towards the end of my career and get a chance to play in front of my family and friends on that side of town, if you will, because uh, I used to take the subway to Met games all the time. I never hardly went to Yankee Stadium unless it was a, a freebie. It was like the Con Ed kids back in there. Remember the Con Ed kids? Yeah, and I do. I was a I part do, of yeah. that. Yeah. Not but, but I, I to see. Yes, yeah. yes. But I, but I saved up money, my, my allowance, my uh, future wife to, to the games. And we used to get on the subway, you know, you know, go go to Shea Stadium, watch the games, watch the games. I saw the Chicago Cubs. It was my first game. Billy Williams was one or guy that I just again just love his swing, and he was a guy that I actually got into switching because of of Billy Williams. But uh, I just remember, you know, being totally engulfed in the Met uh, magic at the time. How they were going about their business, they were playing the game, they were kind of taking over the city, and they had so many players that that you could identify with. Like I said, you know, I was an infielder, so the guys like Bud and 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 Wayne Garrett, those were my guys. But I was also very proud of Cleon and and and, and Tommy Agee, who was a one of the first big big outfields that let off. You, back then, you didn't see many big strong guys. It was always a little guy, a little speed guy. The guy would just kind of get on base, but Tommy Agee was an unbelievable player and also obviously a great defensive player. Willie, I know you told me before. Did you meet Gretchen at Shea Stadium or or first date with her? At, yeah, that was our first date. That was our first legitimate date. We used to hang out on Forty Second Street and go to Nathan's and get a hot dog and French fries. But I saved up my allowance enough at the time to take my wife on my first legitimate date and she knew nothing about baseball jay had no that's clue funny. what the baseball was that's, that's and she funny. yeah she fell in love with it and she knew how much i loved it but but i was so proud that i can actually take my girlfriend on on a first legitimate date wow. where i actually spent some money or whatever you know it, and, it, and it, she things worked out her four daughters yeah a lot it, of grandkids Almost forty something years later, God bless you. Uh, you know, God, God and, bless you. yeah, grandkids and and my son Andre got a chance to play minor league baseball for a little while. So oh. you know, baseball's in our blood, and uh, and the Mets were always an essential part of that. And to come back full circle, like I said, and play in front of my family. Actually, it was my last year. I probably could have played another year or so, but my knees were kind of going on me a little bit, and uh, I wanted to uh, you know spend more time at home, but. Uh, 
But no, it was just an honor to be able to be on that team with some great players. I mean, we had Eddie Murray and, and you know, Howard Johnson and D- Dwight Gooden. And, you know, we had a great group of guys. And uh, it was a special yeah. year, even though it ended kind of funky for us because we, we ended up falling out in, in August because of all the injuries we had. When Brett, Brett Saberhagen was there. I actually broke my hand in August. Which I remember. Kind of, I remember. Kind of, kind of ended my career. Yeah. So um, uh, it was just uh, great memories because I got a chance to, you know, make my, my family really proud. And all my high school friends that I grew up with, they were able to come to the games and watch me uh, take my little uh, swan swan dance, I guess. <laughs> well, before we get to the Mets, i got to ask you two Yankee questions. And sure. How, how much of a thrill was it for you to get a plaque in Monument Park? We went all the grades through with Garrick and, you know, all the great Yankees to have your name recognized. That had to be a real thrill for you, huh? Uh, no doubt. I, I To this day, Jay, I, I pinch myself. I really do, man. When I think about Monument Park, I look at all the greats that are out there. I mean, I'm rubbing elbows with, you know, Lou Gehrig and, and, and you know, Babe Ruth and, you know, my buddy Ron Guidry's out there with me, Reggie Jackson. I can go on down the line. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, Monument Park. But I never thought as a kid growing up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, that I would even be mentioned with the greats of the, in, in Yankee history. But, uh, again, uh, I've always felt like from day one, the good Lord's been looking after me. I've been blessed. I've worked hard. But the bottom line is that when I stop and think about, you know, my Yankee career and with all the championships and being a part of the long list of legacies, uh, it, it's the ultimate, man. It's like almost like a dream come true. And now, that you, you know, you and I have gone to a lot of Thurman months and did this together. You, you're the former Yankee captain yourself. What? Mm-hmm. what I, I never really asked anybody directly, what made him a special kind of guy? I mean, you know, what, you know, we, we honor him seven months, and, you know, 50 years after his mm-hmm. death. And what made him so special as, as a former teammate? Yeah, it just it just one word for me is, is leadership. You know, Thurman was a different kind of cat. You know, he wasn't warm and fuzzy, you know, with the media and things of that nature. But he was a real consummate leader. I mean, every day you could count on him. He played hurt. He would give you advice. He made you feel like you were part of the team because he was the man. Uh, everyone looked up to Thurman. They they loved his work ethic. Uh, he commanded that respect. So for me, even though he was kind of a, a different kind of guy to get to know, uh, but he had a big heart and uh, he loved playing the game. But to me, his leadership and just by example, I mean, to me, it's not about rah-rah. It's not about what you say. It's about the example that you set. And Thurman was always out there every day, old school, but he played hurt and, and he took not, nothing for granted. And he just, again, I was so happy to see him finally get a team around him in 76 when we, won the, when we went back to the World Series. And he, had, and he was the MVP that year. All he needed was some, some pieces around him. So always remember Thurman. I, miss, um, I still go to the uh, Thurman dinner, but anybody that's honored with a Thurman Award, that, that's a very prestigious honor because Thurman was, was baseball. He was the Yankees at the time. Willie, so let me jump ahead to 2004. You become the uh, Mets manager, and let me say mm-hmm. this in, in, in a way probably not one of the best decisions in retrospect that the Mets ever made when we when you, we parted ways with you in 2008. In mm-hmm. retrospect, probably wasn't a great decision. But you know, in, in, in the first year, you win 83 games uh, in 85, in 85, in 86, 97 games, tied for the best record in baseball. Kill, kill the Dodgers in the league championship series, in the division series, and then unfortunately we lose it seven games to the Cardinals. But right. look at back on, on the Cardinals series, we really went into that kind of shorthanded pitching-wise, and we still went to seven. You know, Pedro got hurt. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly too, before game one, the day before game one, I'm on the field at, 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 at Shea Stadium, and you come over and we say, Jay, we got a problem. El Duque can't mm-hmm. pitch the opener. Right. And, and that was right before the first game. So our game one pitcher is out. I mean, when he got hurt jogging in the outfield or something, yes. I remember. Yes, yes, yes. It, it was just it was unbelievable uh, at that time uh, going into that year because we were set up to really move forward and get to the next level. And an uh, unbelievable year where we had just shattered so many of uh, of, of the things that that we had accomplished. But um, I, I just remember. You know, not ever making excuses, and the team never did. Is what I really mean. Uh, we didn't. You know, we was like next man up mentality. Uh, we knew we had injuries, but there was no excuses, Jay. It was no room for that. We knew we were a team that wanted to compete. We knew we were a team that was going to the next level. The fans demanded it, so we just picked each other up. So I remember those those times where we had to kind of scrounge a little bit and go to AAA and bring guys up, but they stepped up for us. So again, I was so proud of that team, Jay, because even with all the adversity we had even with all the injuries that, that we had to deal with. My guys never gave up. We had a group of gamers that went out and played their butts off every day. So that was probably one of the most enjoyable years of, of my baseball career, and I've been blessed to be a part of a lot of big ones. But um, but that team was just special. It was just a special group of guys. And uh, and, and even at the end, where it ended kind of, you know, obviously on, on a sour note, I was so proud of that group of guys. And, and I'll always remember that team as one of the best teams that I was able to be a part of as a manager. So I'm sitting in the press box, uh, uh, bottom of the six of Game Seven against the Cardinals. Um, uh, Scott Rowland hits the ball to left field. I said, "Oh Christ, it's a home run!" And yeah. what we do you remember exactly what you felt when <laughs> Andy made the catch? I know exactly what I felt. I was, I was. First of all, I almost jumped, jumped, jumped to the top of the stadium. I was so excited. I looked at my bench coach and I said, "Hey, bro!" I looked at all my coaches. I said, "You know what?" We're going to the show. We no are question. going to the World no Series. I, it was no that we made that catch. I was a shock. One of the best catch I've ever seen. But I just knew that the karma was right. But then I got this other feeling a little bit about a little later on when uh, Yadi Molina came to the plate, and I just felt a weird he, sensation in my bones. Yeah. Because if you remember Jay, he struggled that that series. He was yes, really he struggling. Did. Did. And 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 but but I had a funny feeling that you know he was going to break break out. I was hoping it would be two days later. But I just remember closing my eyes when I think it was Anna Heilman hung that change up. And when that ball left the bat, I just said, oh, my goodness, I would hate he, to have that feeling, you know? And Yanni Molina is still going strong today. He just signed another contract. He, he, and not, not, only, not only that, yeah, that and, and how about how about Wainwright? Yeah. You know, through, that, through that unbelievable curveball to Beltron, which, which no one would have been able to hit. It was one of the best curveballs I've ever seen. He's still pitching also. So how old are we, man? We're still yeah, seeing I, I, t- I, I always felt bad for Carlos. You know, if you look at yes. probably one of the best free agent signings we ever had, I mean, look at his numbers, his home run numbers. And, and you know, I mean, you know, go back to the to the, uh, to the Endy catch. We, we even loaded the bases in the bottom of that inning that we didn't score. And then I got yes. a little bit nervous. You know, yes, no doubt about it. There's a lot of little things that went on, uh, little little ducks we didn't pick up, you know, little uh, guys on third base. We had opportunities to kind of put the nail in the coffin, but, you know, those are the things that come back to haunt you. But you're right about that, Jay. We had opportunities to kind of put them away and didn't come up with the big hit. So those are little things that haunt you over the years, but uh, but I still think that team gave me everything they had. I mean, you know, one, one thing I remember, Willie, as a PR guy, you know, so we lose the game 3-1, to one. And I, I go into your office. I know, and you regressed the team, 
and we walked back to your office. And to me, one of the toughest interviews for any manager to do, baseball, basketball, football, is a losing manager in a Game yeah. 7 series. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just a, it's so hard to do. And I sat there and I looked up. I said, Willie, you know, we've got one more interview to do. You didn't bat an eye. What do we got to do? Let's get it done. And it shows what a class guy you were. And Thank you were one of the easiest guys for me to work with, no matter good, bad, winning, losing, you're always there. You never shirked yeah. your responsibilities. But that, that interview after a Game 7 loss oh, in any sport is just an awful, oh, it's an awful yeah, thing it to is. do. It, it, it's, it's like, it's like your, your, your heart is getting ripped out. And, um, uh, and you know what, more than anything, you feel bad for your players, Jay. That's what he was more than anything. I, just, I knew those guys gave me every ounce of what they had out there, left everything on the field. And I've been through ups and downs, and I've been through championships, and, and, and when you lose, it's never, it's never pleasant. But I felt so bad for my teammates and my players because I know that they left everything on the table. So, uh, And even more so, Carlos Beltran, you, you hit it right on the head, Jay. This guy had a phenomenal year for us, man. He was our leader. He was just, just the baseball guard, just weren't, weren't uh, real, real nice at that time when, you know, he had to end the game or in the season like that with a hellacious curveball that – he just couldn't pull the trigger on. But I felt bad for Carlos because I, I knew he wore that for a long time, unfortunately, and I knew that he was a guy that left that, uh, his heart and soul in the field. So uh, even when I see, every time I see him, I give him a big hug because I know that, that, uh, that uh, it was a tough spot for him. But uh, that whole team was, was, was like that. And next year, unfortunately, we win eight games. We had the unfortunate happen mm-hmm. at the end of the year. We, we just couldn't win a game. We counted, but oh, it was, uh, that was just a, another, I mean, it was a tough thing to, to this day, I still get, I still get, um, I still have nightmares over it, man. It just, uh, yeah, you know, we well, just need that one victory, that one get over the hump. And uh, again, uh, just wasn't meant to be. But, you know, I still felt like we were still on the right track. Because sometimes, Jay, when you lose certain situations like that, when you go through your growing pains, it actually makes you better. It actually sets you up for the championship because you know that that feeling is something you don't ever want to feel again. You know that, you know what, I got to make adjustments next time, okay, and, 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 and be unselfish in certain situations to get the job done. So I just felt like we were climbing. So very disappointing that it ended the way it did, but it was an honor and a privilege, and I would never change the experience because I felt like I was a part of, of the fabric of the city, going up as a Met fan, and then bringing, you know, the energy back and seeing the joy in the fans and, and everybody coming together, feeling like the Mets were back and we were taking over the city. So I was very proud of that, being a part of that run. But again, that, that that's life, you know, but I'll never forget it. After you left, really, we didn't get back to the playoffs in t- t- 2015. So really mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, from we, we, two, you know, with a long space we didn't get yeah. in. You know, your record, you know, went over 300 games, 302 to be exact, a 544 winning percentage. To me, and to a lot of people involved with the game of baseball, it's a crying shame, really a crying shame. You never got a second chance after that. I mean, it was just really not fair. And, you know, I know you've done other things. You've been involved in Team USA Baseball, that's some analogy, mm-hmm. but I know, you know, it's just really, there's really no explanation why you never got another yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah, that 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 kind of um, deep down inside that hurts me too because I it's not and it's not just about you know me it's about being a part of of the legacy being a part of, of being a mentor for the guys that come behind me because the game is is evolving where the, uh, diversity wise I mean we're, we're we're you know we're going backwards you know and and so I felt very proud of at the time I think back in 2008 Jay I think there was like when I was manager there was like maybe seven uh, African American uh, managers. 
Oh, right. We already mentioned the game, and now there's only two. So we've gone backwards. So for me, um, not getting another opportunity uh, was more about, you know, I knew I was going to get better. I was I was thinking that we would, as a Met team, we were going to be contenders for the next 10 years. But it just didn't work out that way, and, and that's life. But, it's, again, I keep going back to the fact that I feel I've always been blessed in this game. Uh, it was an honor and a privilege to get a chance to, to, to live my dream and, and not just root for my team that I grew up with, but, but actually manage them and almost get to a World Series. Just special, special, and, and, and I'm just so blessed that, that, that the Mets gave me that opportunity. Really, as a student of the game and as a reserve, you mentioned two managers. You know, even the, the, the amount of African-American players, it's gone down from like to like yes. very low percentage. I don't forget what it was. What is it mm-hmm. going to take for, I know MLB is trying to do these initiatives and stuff, mm-hmm. but what is it going to take to get more African-American uh, baseball players in the game? Well, well, you know, Jay, you know, this is a subject that we can probably talk about for hours, but just to kind of just cut through it real quick, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm happy about the progress we're making moving forward. Now, there's been all kinds of different programs that have been implemented over the years, whether it's RBI or, you know, different types of, of showcases. But I think we need to get back to just grassroots baseball where, you know, the equipment it has to be available the facility has to be ready, available. I mean, I love what the Players Alliance is doing in baseball. A lot of these young brothers, black and white, are coming together and they're getting in the community. I saw recently where CC Sabathia and a few kids were going through neighborhoods, barnstorming, giving out equipment. Because that's a big part of it, Jay, being able – because it's gotten so expensive now, not just to play for these – Pay for play type programs, which is again another story, but just to have the equipment. You know, nowadays they're using aluminum bats, so that's expensive. Gloves are expensive, balls, and all those things. So I think that we need to, you know, get out there, bring former players back into the community, give these guys opportunities and job opportunities to get out and do clinics in all the metropolitan areas all over the country because the players need to be taught the fundamentals. Once we get back out there, start teaching them the fundamentals and the love for the game and making it fun then I think that we'll get back to that. It, it, it's a broad conversation, and, and, and we can sit and talk about why this and why that. The bottom line is that we need to move forward, look out for the kids, and get former players more involved in the mix because these guys want to work. They, they want to teach. They want to give back what they learned to some of the greats in the game. And right now they're not getting the opportunity. So hopefully Major League Baseball and the Players Association can continue to work together so we can get these kids you know, uh, back into the, or back on the baseball field because it's still the greatest game in the world. No, I agree. Really, you know, I, you know we're, we've been friends for years. I even attended one of your daughter's weddings. I'll never forget that. And, um, yeah. I, I, and thank you for your time. And I just want to again thank you, Willie, for being the latest guest on Amazing Mets Alumni Podcast. And my be- my best to Gretchen and, and girls and their grandkids and everything. And we'll speak well, soon and, and stay in touch, my friend. All right. I appreciate Thank you, Jay. Love you, man. You're the best. Love you, too, Willie. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 